Block AC, how we doing tonight? All right, y'all, I, I have a story. Uh, this story is 100% being told for shock value. So I just want to preface that this is about to get a little graphic. Uh, I lived overseas, and we had an apartment over there. And there were multiple times that we would come back and spend a couple months in the United States. And I'm not here to name names or point fingers, but let's just say that it was one of my roommate's responsibilities to clean out the fridge before we left for a multiple month period to be gone. And we were in the car and we pulled up to the airport, which is about an hour and a half away in that city, and Again, not pointing fingers or naming names, but someone said, uh, oh no, I forgot to clean out the fridge. And we all just look at each other and we're just like, well, this is kind of all of our own fault. Like, we, we probably shouldn't have delegated it to this person. <laughs> uh, hey, the person could have been me. I'm not even saying it wasn't, right? Uh, but we just think, hey, we'll just forget about it and it'll be fine, right? Like, I'm sure it won't be a big deal. And it, so we forget about it, we put it out of our mind, and about a month goes by. And then we get a text from our landlord. By the way, the power's been out for the last three weeks. Okay. So we get back a month later, and I'd also kind of forgot about it again, right? Like, I'm jet lagged, I'm tired, and me and my roommate walk into our apartment. And I put my bags down, and I start walking to the kitchen absentmindedly. And there is a smell that I cannot begin to describe. I mean, this was so bad that not only the kitchen, but the dining room attached to the kitchen just smelled absolutely awful. Right? Like, I, I almost just gagged thinking about it. It was just, it clung to the air. Like, it filled every inch of your lungs. We walked in, and we fought our way in and opened that fridge. I was a microbiology major in college. We discovered five new molds. I'm sure of it. Like, we had to invent something. And then we look at the back of the fridge, and in the drainage, like in the drainage tray, there are maggots that have been growing. Yes, yes, maggots. And they are wriggling and, and just writhing around. And my roommate starts freaking out. He has this like PTSD reaction to maggots because he has this terrible fear of them. Apparently one time when he was a kid, his uncle went hunting and put a deer head in a cooler and left it outside in the summer Kansas sun. And Glenn, when he went and opened it up and looked inside, there was a maggoty deer head that had been rotting in there for three weeks. And so he is just panicked. Like he's just, he's breathing hard, which isn't good because it smells awful. And I'm just sitting there, like, my roommate's freaking out, and I'm just like, what do I do? Like, we let this get way too out of hand. And, and the reason why I bring this up is because we're continuing our parable series tonight, and we're going to be talking about forgiveness. And God's word is very clear that if we have bitterness in our hearts that we don't deal with, it will spread and start to make every single part of your life stink and smell if you don't deal with that bitterness. And some of us tonight, like you're here and the power just went out on the fridge and you need to deal with this before it gets 10 times worse. And some of you are here 
<laughs> and you're full on like moldy fridge and maggots right now. Just in your heart. You're like, man, I got so much bitterness towards people that that's what's going on. And this is not just a general statement, right? This is something that each and every single one of us in this room, we need to deal with this. We need to take an honest look at our lives and deal with things that have been done to us. So open with me to God's word in Matthew 18. Uh, If you have a copy of God's word, um, open there. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible and you'd love to have one, stop by the Connect table afterwards. If you just have your phone, feel free to go there. All, this, uh, all the verses will be up on the screen. And I want to be honest on the front end. Uh, we're not quite there yet on the slide. Uh, but I want to uh, be honest on the front end. This is one of Jesus' most radical teachings. And the reason why I bring it up is because this is a very real need. And I know that this is a very real need because I've worked with young adults over the past couple years I have not seen something more destructive, more contagious, and more dangerous than unchecked bitterness. It is one of the most toxic forces in the lives of young adults. And I say that with full seriousness and as someone who has devoted his life to working with young adults. And so I'm saying this because it primarily affects the one who needs to do the forgiving. Rarely does it affect the person who sinned against someone else as much as it affects the person who's holding that hurt. And a lot of times our culture doesn't help us out with this, right? Like they just say to tell us, hey, it's not a big deal. Uh, Just don't worry about it. Or on the flip side, they say, hey, cut that person out of your life entirely. Just like get rid of them. But we never learn to, to deal with this, right? Like in school, we learned about all kinds of things. We learned about geometry, And we learned about the great Gatsby. And we learned about who the 11th president of the United States was. I'm not entirely sure who that was. I think it was Andrew Jackson. I'm not sure. Uh, But what class was there on conflict resolution? Right? Or like what class was there on forgiveness? Or how to deal with, with hurt? But so often that is one of the most prevalent things that pops up in interpersonal relationships in our lives. And so I want you guys to hear my heart behind this in this room. Because there are some very real hurts in this room. Like, some of you, you started dating someone when you were in high school, and you lost your virginity to them, and then they cheated on you, and that has left deep, painful scars to this day. Some of you, if you're like me, when you were young, someone exposed you to pornography, and that dictated the next eight years of your life. And we have to learn how to forgive that person. Maybe some of your parents, they were abusive, maybe physically, maybe emotionally. Maybe they just weren't around. And you're, you're trying to pick up the pieces of that. And you don't even know what to do with that. Or maybe it's not what we would call these bigger traumas. Maybe it's just these little cutting comments that people gave you all throughout grade school, all throughout middle school, all throughout high school, all throughout college. And people would just make painful comments about your intelligence, about your body, about your social skills, your overall worth. And over time, those cuts have added up, and you really start to believe those things about you, and it has led to some serious hurts. Maybe some of you guys have been betrayed by friends, or you've had friends turn their back on you, and every single time you see their picture on social media, it stings. And what I'm not going to do is say that those things didn't happen, right? I want you guys to hear, my heart is not to belittle anything that has happened to anyone. And I think what you're going to see is that God is actually going to say that there are some very real wrongs in the world. 
but I've seen firsthand, and the Bible teaches, more importantly, that if you don't deal with these things and learn to forgive, your marriage, your future parenting, your career, your, your small group, your friend group, your church, all of those things will suffer as a result of bitterness if it is not dealt with. And it might not be your fault, but it is your responsibility, which is hard. But as we look at Jesus' teachings on forgiveness, I want to speak to two groups of people in the room. Because there's, there's some of us in this room, you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're just here investigating your faith, and you're trying to check it out, and you're like, I want to find out what the Bible's all about. I want to find out what church is all about. And I'm very glad that you're here. Right? I pray that you see tonight the kind of freedom that's possible in Jesus. And not just from your own sin, but also from letting other people's wrongs dictate your life. And I pray that you would see how you can forgive people by first seeing how Jesus has forgiven us. And honestly, that's not very well put on display in the church so often. But if you are a follower of Jesus, I pray that you guys would see that forgiveness is not just important, but it is actually necessary if we're going to call ourselves Christians. That is necessary for us to forgive. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started. Jesus, um, there's a lot of, of hurt and pain that's in this room, in people's hearts. God, some of it might seem small. Some of it might seem large. And God, I just pray that wherever anyone is at, I pray that first and foremost, people would experience that you are the father of all compassion and the God of all comfort. And that as painful memories are brought to mind, that they would feel your spirit comforting them. But God, I also pray that you would help us to see how we can be free from letting this dictate our futures. And that we can be free from the wrongs that were done to us. And that we don't have to keep living in, in painful bondage to the hurts that are done to us. And I pray all these things through your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, so Jesus' disciples are spending some time together. And, and get this, this is fun. Right, the disciples have just been arguing with each other about which one is better, right, than all the others, which is a great thing to do. And uh, just very, like, typical insecure guy situation. They're like, yeah, but which of us is, like, more important? And Jesus is just sitting there like, guys, come on. Like, let's, let's, let's think this through. And he's helping correct their thinking. And then Peter goes up, he goes up to Jesus and he says this in Matthew 18, 21 through 22. Here we go. Then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. I want us to see something here. This is kind of funny if you know the context. Because Peter's actual brother is sitting right there. Like he's sitting right there in this conversation. And so when Peter comes up and says, if my brother sins against me seven times, like Andrew is just right there. Like, come on, man. What did I do? And not only that, but his two best friends are also right there. And all of his close friends are like right there. So either Peter is being super passive aggressive and just like, hey, yeah, so if someone was going to sin against me, like how many times should I forgive them? Because obviously they sinned against me. Or he's just being very bold and like, hey, we're dealing with this. And we're dealing with it right now. But Jesus' response is very telling. First of all, he's, he says, keep forgiving someone continually. Even if they keep sinning against you. That's what he means when he says 77 times. It's just a number that's beyond counting in that day. 
And he also doesn't dispute the fact that the people will sin against each other. And that's the first point if you're taking notes, that there are real sins committed against us. There are real sins committed against us. And what, what I mean by that is, we have a really bad habit in the Midwest, and especially in the church, of just trying to like gloss over wrongs and sins that are done to us. Uh, we're taught to say just really, really quickly, quickly, like, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, hey, hey, no worries, no issues. And we kind of think, like, man, it's a, it's a shortcut on the forgiveness track. Like, if I just say that, everything will be good. But a lot of times, it's not actually genuine. Because we just say, oh, yeah, we're good. But we don't deal with it in our hearts. And so we start to carry around for, or for bitterness, but we deceive ourselves into thinking, oh, I forgave them because I said something. But we never worked through it in our hearts. And you might say, hey, and no worries, man, right? Like someone makes a comment about you. They make a joke at your expense. And you're like, oh, hey, it's no big deal. Like, yeah, it's kind of funny. But then you go home and you lay awake in bed thinking about how much that comment hurt you. And you wake up the next day and you look at yourself in the mirror and you think, is that how everyone sees me? And you begin to tell yourself those things over and over again. But even though we said, hey, no worries, man. And so when I say that there are real sins committed against us, I, I mean this. Like, people have been hurt. And people in this room have been hurt. And something needs to be done about it. But what I don't want to do is create a victim mentality. Because that's not what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, and even Peter understood this, that, like, it might not be your fault, but it is your responsibility. If someone sins against you, you have to go forgive them. And so to illustrate this, Jesus is going to share the parable. He continues on in verse 23. He says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And we look at that number, and I'm like, I have no idea how much 10,000 talents is, right? Like, it sounds kind of big. And I was just going to say the number, actually. But I wanted to do some math to help us figure this out because we did learn this in school. So might as well use it. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of math. So a talent is 20 years wage for a common minimum wage worker. Today, minimum wage in Kansas is $7.25, so I'm not going to comment on that. And if you work 40 hours a week, that gets you $290 a week. Again, we're not going to talk about taxes. We're not talking about that tonight. But $290 a week for 50 weeks is $14,500. Again, not that much. <laughs> that's, a, that's a year's wage is, is $14,500. $14, a talent is 20 years wages, which equals out to about $290,000. That's how much one talent is. This servant owed him 10,000 talents. That's the equivalent of $2.9 billion. Billion with, with a B. This debt is just absolutely massive. And it says, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and for payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Which we have to take a look at this and just be like, no shot, man. Right, $2.9 billion? 
there is no shot that you are ever going to pay that back, especially not working a, a minimum wage job. I mean, that's something that you never pay back. But he's begging. He's saying, no, please, let me pay him back. <laughs> it says, out of compassion for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Yo, can you imagine how freeing this would be? I mean, this guy has an entirely new life. Right? Like, he's not in debt anymore. He has $2.9 billion all of a sudden just saying, hey, you know what, don't worry about it. That is mind-blowing. I mean, that's something. This guy, he's like, his family is free. He can go out and do whatever he wants to. Like, he has an entirely new life at this very moment. And he's entirely free to go out and do whatever he pleases. And yet, look at what he chooses to do. It says, but when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Now again, math, right? A, a denarii is a full day's wage. So we have 725 for 10 hours a day, 7250. 100 of those would be $7,250. So he found someone that owed him that much money. And he seized him and he began to choke him and said, pay me what you owe. So his servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. The man pleaded and he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. You know, $7,250, $7, that's, that's a lot of money, right? Like I'm not going to stand here and be like, oh, that's not that much. Yeah, any of us could just write a check for that right now. But that is pennies compared to $2.9 billion. It's 0.0054%. And this is a parable, so Jesus is illustrating a point here. He's saying someone might have sinned against you, and it was a big debt. But every human has sinned against God, and that is a much, much greater debt. But as it comes to forgiveness, this is kind of confusing. Because you might be thinking, like, Nick, hey, I'm not claiming to be perfect, right? But you have no idea what the person who wronged me did to me. Like, you have no idea what they said to me. You have no idea how much they hurt me. And, like, I'm not perfect, but surely what they did to me is much, much worse than anything I've ever done to God. This is your second point, though. Who you sin against determines the size of your debt. Think about this. Let's say, uh, let's say you come up here and you just open face slap me, just right across the face, right? And then you take my water bottle. I'm going to be really confused, honestly. I'm going to be like, uh, wow, I don't know what I did to deserve that. And we're going to have some words, right? We're going to talk. I'm going to be like, hey, let's, uh, let's talk this through. Let's figure out why you just slapped me. But, but ultimately, that's going to be about it, right? Like, that's going to be probably the extent of that conversation. But let's say that you go up and you try to hit the president of the United States and steal the nuclear football from him. You're going to hit the ground before you can even get two feet. Why? Because if you sin against me, like, it might hurt me, but I'm not really that big a deal. But if you sin against the president, there are potentially life-ending consequences to that. Because the president of the United States has more authority than me. And so there's greater punishment that goes with that sin. 
And so when we sin against an eternal, all-powerful creator God who's holy and who has all authority, it means we have an eternal debt that deserves eternal punishment. Because God is the one who has the authority. And so I might be hurt by what someone else does, but when I go out and I do anything that goes against the authority of God, that means that I've basically walked up to God, disrespected him, and slapped him in the face saying, I don't believe what you want is good, and I'm going to do my own thing. And that earns for every single human an eternal debt because we sin against an eternal God. But the crazy thing is, look at what Jesus says the king does in the story. He takes compassion on the servant. He forgives him. Y'all, if you're not familiar with, with the good news of Jesus Christ, with the gospel, like this is it right here. That, that you and I and every single person on the planet has sinned. And that sin earns us a, a, a debt of death and hell. Because we have sinned against a perfect God. And God looked at that debt. And he looked at you and he looked at me. And he just thought, man, they have no shot of ever repaying that. There's no, nothing that they can do to ever earn that back. And he said, I'm going to forgive that debt. And to do that, he sent his son, Jesus, to live a sinless life where we had been sinful. And Jesus died a very brutal and painful death to pay our debt. And because he was raised to life, this is the crazy thing. We don't just have to get our debt paid, but God actually welcomes us into his family as sons and daughters. And gives us the family credit card. And now says, I canceled your debt and everything you'd ever done. And now I'm going to adopt you and say, everything I have is yours. I mean, that is mind-blowing. If that's not good news, I don't know what is. And so to be a Christian, we have to be able to say, I am that servant with a $2.9 billion debt. Like, that was me. I, I earned that. But God wrote it off. And I accept Jesus' debt forgiveness, and I'm a child of God now. Which, again, sounds incredible, right? If you're here and you haven't made that decision, I would really encourage you to accept that. If you feel guilt for what you've done in life, like you can have freedom from this. And again, it sounds really, really great. But, but what does that servant who is forgiven do? He immediately goes out and he starts choking a guy, grabs him by the neck, and is throttling him because he owes him a couple thousand dollars. And after Matt, watching the man beg, beg for his life, the same position that he had just been in with the king. He throws the guy in prison and says, no, I'm not going to forgive. And any of us with any shred of decency, we look at that and we think, man, there is something very wrong with that picture. Like there is something that should not have happened there. But the same thing needs to be said then for you and I when we claim to be followers of Jesus and accept that debt, but then we don't go out and forgive those who sin very real sins against us. That means that there's something very, very wrong with that picture. The other servants in the story, they see this and Jesus continues. He says, when his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were very upset. And they went and told their master everything that had taken place. Then the master called the first slave and said to him, evil servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you have not shown mercy to your fellow servant just as I showed it to you? 
And in anger, the master turned him over to the prison guards to torture him until he repaid all he owed. If you're taking notes, this is the next point, that those who have had their debts forgiven pursue forgiveness towards others. It's clear that the, the servant, uh, it's clear that the servant the master uh, had forgiven was forgiven, but it's also clear that he did not understand what that meant. And why? Because he's debt-free, right? He has a clean slate. He doesn't need the money now. And yet, he goes out and tries to just fight for that money again. So what he should have done is gone and forgiven the other servant. And so tying this back around to you and to me, that means when we think about that person or those people that have sinned against you, and I want you to think about them right now, what God is calling you to do is very clear and straightforward. If you have accepted God's forgiveness when he cleared your slate, you are to then go out and clear the slate of every single person who has ever wronged you. That is the command that Jesus is saying, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, is to live in this way. And practically, if you're like, I don't know how to do that, you just need go get alone, make time for this. This is something that's very important, and just write out a list of everyone who's ever wronged you. And then you go through and you work with God in your heart to forgive that person genuinely, and you don't gloss over it, right? You don't look at it and just think, oh, man, that wasn't a big deal. I guess it didn't matter that much. But you think, no, that person has wronged me, but I'm not going to choose to hold that debt against them. And because I've been forgiven, God, I'm going to forgive that person. And you genuinely, you release that bitterness and debt that they give you, and then you only want good things for that person. And you pray for them, and you think, God, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that they would have good things happen to them in life. And you might need to take it a step further and pursue reconciliation, which means you need to prepare or repair the relationship. And if that sounds crazy, I've got this story uh, that this is just mind-blowing. So in 1995 in Denver, there was a three-year-old boy, Casson Evans, and he was killed in a drive-by shooting. His mom, Charletta, held him in their front yard while he was bleeding out while the paramedics were trying to get there in time. He wasn't even the violent, or the target. This was just an outbreak of gang violence. And the boy who, who killed the boy, Raymond Johnson, he was arrested and charged with murder, and he was sentenced to prison with no chance for parole. He was 15 years old. And while he was in prison, Raymond just started to re become very, very grief-stricken at what he had done. And he just was torn up. And he knew that he needed help, but he didn't know what to do. And so he thought, man, I just, I want to show remorse to the mom of the boy that I killed. But like, could you imagine that? What do you even say to someone? You, you killed their child. I mean, what could you even begin to, to think to say? And so she comes to the prison and sits across from him, and he just begins just like crying and stammering out like, I don't know what to do. I'm lost, I need help, I, I don't know what to do, I don't even think you could ever forgive me. And Charletta looks at him and says, Raymond, I forgave you the night that you killed my son. 
because I'm a follower of Jesus and God told me that I needed to forgive you. Y'all, she forgave him on the spot. And the crazy thing is that Raymond said, I don't, I don't have a mom. I don't know how to navigate life. And he said, will you be my mom? And Charlotta said, yes, I'll be your mom. And he got out of prison this last year. He's 41 years old now. And the person there to greet him was Charlotta. And she took him home and showed him his room and said, you're my son. And to this day, she is his mom and he is her son. That is reconciliation. It's, it's something that's just beautiful. We look at that and we think, but how could we ever get there, right? Jesus himself says this, and, and I want to be very, very clear, right? There's a caveat here. If someone is very dangerous for you to be around and they're not uh, repentant, if they're going to continue on in their actions, don't make that person a part of your life, right? If that person is going to continue to go on hurting you, you don't have to be best friends with that person. But if they show genuine remorse and genuine repentance, this is what Jesus says. He says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Jesus is saying here, if someone sins against you seven times one day but then still says, I repent, like, I don't want to do this anymore. He says, you got to forgive. And that sounds crazy, right? But then we look at, at the debt that we've been forgiven and we think that's why. Because God does that with us. And, and this might be a very hard thing for you to go through. And as you're learning to navigate this situation, I just want to take a moment and give a disclaimer. Um, you might need someone to talk through this with. Uh, there are free counseling services at... Uh, two churches that help with the block, Journey Bible Church and Lenexa Baptist. I would encourage you guys to reach out to them. If you need help, if there's someone that you're like, I need to deal with this, but I don't know how, uh, I would encourage you to take advantage of those free counseling services. Uh, they really are uh, very, very helpful if you feel like that's a need for you. But, but what Jesus is saying here is that if someone sins against you, you, you call her out on it lovingly, and if she says, hey, I want to change, then you reconcile with that girl right there. And even if she does it seven times in a day. And if you've been holding bitterness in your heart towards a family member or a friend who wronged you, you need to go to that person as God leads you and you apologize because then you say, I've been holding bitterness against you. Will you forgive me? Even though they were the person who wronged you. We own our part of it, and that opens the door a lot of times for reconciliation. And if some of you guys are, are looking at this, and you're a Christian, and you're just thinking, man, that is not fair. Right, that is so unfair that I would ever begin to have to deal with this. Like, this wasn't my fault. I didn't ask for this. You're right. It's, it's not fair. It really is not fair. But it's even less fair that God would send his son to die for you and for me. And Jesus is saying this because he knows that if we don't forgive, like if we don't deal with this, it will cause our life to stink. 
if you constantly find yourself hopping from relationship to relationship or from friend group to friend group or from career to career, job to job, church to church, small group to small group, because every single place you go, people hurt you and you have to keep moving on, they might be in the wrong, but the common denominator is you. And y'all, I want you to have an abundance of life and marriages and community and friends that are beyond imagination. Like this is something that I pray for each and every single day. Every single day, I, I beg God that young adults would be able to know Kansas City, or but young adults in Kansas City would be able to know God and would be able to experience the abundance of life that He promises. And I am a very, very flawed and sinful man. And if I want that for you guys, how much more does a perfect and loving God? who wants to be a father to every single person. And he's telling you right now, if you want that kind of life, learn to accept forgiveness from God. Learn to forgive other people, and it's not going to be easy. But it is so, so worth it. And every single time it comes back in your, in your head what someone else did to you, and you don't need to forget because forgiveness is not forgetting. You just remind yourself that you release that debt. And you pray and you ask God to bless them and you think, no, I'm not going to hold that against them. I forgave that debt. And you pray for them right there. And you say, God, bless that person. I've, I've gotten to experience this in my own life. Um, if, if you guys know anything about me, you know that I'm, I'm very, very close with my dad. You know, that I'm, I'm close, honestly, with my whole family. But earlier this year, I, I remembered something that, that my dad had said to me one time when I was a kid, and it had really hurt, and it had really caused me to see myself in a lot of ways that God didn't want me to see myself. And I just, I held on to that for a long time because I didn't want to deal with it. So it's like, man, things with my dad are good. Like, we get along. We have fun. I get to go over to my parents' house and have dinner. I don't want to bring this up. I don't, I don't want to make this a big deal, but every single time that I would think about my dad, I would also think about this thing that he said to me. And so a couple months ago at the beginning of this year, I asked my dad if he'd go out to lunch with me, and I sat down, and I asked my dad for forgiveness because I said, Dad, I've been holding something against you, and I care about this relationship far too much to keep this between us. And I said, will you forgive me? And then I went on to explain to my dad what he had said to me. And I watched my dad just cry and weep. She's like, Nick, I'm so sorry. I don't, I don't remember saying that, but I'm so, so sorry. Can you ever forgive me? And I got to stand up and hug my dad. We have never been closer. And I, and I say that because that's what we need. Like, that's what we want that forgiveness. And a lot of people look at my family and think you're so close. Like how are you so close with your family? It's because we fight for it. We have a lot of painful conversations with each other. And that has led to a depth of closeness and intimacy with my family that I cannot just begin to even start to thank God for because it is so amazing. And that's the story of me and my dad, but then there's a story of one of my best friends. And he held a lot of anger and bitterness against his dad because his dad made a lot of poor financial decisions when he was younger. 
And as a result of this, my friend didn't have a lot of access to things that probably he should have had access to. And a lot of things that would have been good and probably things that their family needed because his dad wasn't financially responsible. And I kept on encouraging him. I'm like, man, you got to talk to your dad about this. Like, you need to talk to your dad about this, man. This is eating you up. And his dad passed away two years ago. And as I stood there with, with him the day his dad died in his house, he wasn't able to weep. He wasn't able to grieve. And he just looked at him and said, you know what, no big deal. And I watched it eat him up inside for the last two years. Because he can't grieve his own father. Because he never dealt with the pain that his dad had caused. And he never dealt with it. And he never had the tough conversation. And now he can't. Because his dad is gone. If you're a follower of Jesus, the call is for us to go and have those conversations. Because if you claim to be a Christian and you don't want to forgive others and you just want to hold on to that anger and you just want to hold on and think, no, 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 I don't want to release that. This is what Jesus says. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. What Jesus is saying here, he's not saying that you earn salvation by forgiving other people. Right? He's not saying that you need to go through and forgive everyone before you can become a follower of Jesus. But what he is saying is that if you can't forgive people, then there's a very real chance that your sins were never forgiven. And if you ever think that someone else needs Jesus more than you, then that isn't just entirely wrong. And if that's you and you're like, man, something needs to change. Like maybe you want to forgive, but you don't know how. Or maybe you don't feel like you can forgive, but you want to gain the power to be able to do that. And you want the release and the freedom and the peace and the abundance of life that comes with following Jesus' commands. It is very, very simple. All you have to do is say, God, I want your forgiveness. Settle my debt. I accept Jesus' death for me. And teach me how to forgive. And if you are, have done that and you don't know how to forgive, it's also very, very simple. Ask someone, say, oh, I, I, just, I need to know how to forgive. Teach me how to do it. All you got to do, sit down, write out the wrongs, pray to God in your heart. And again, it will be like a weight lifted off your shoulder. This is something that's going to impact us for the rest of our lives if we don't deal with it. And as young adults, we have so much life ahead of us. What a shame it would be to let the pain of what someone else has done to you dictate you or the outcome of your life for the rest of your life. If you make that decision to follow Jesus, uh, please tell someone. Like, I, I want to be the first to say, welcome to the family. We are not perfect. We do love very, very well. We're not good at it all the time. But the thing is, there's a lot of forgiveness to go around. There's a, a lot of community that can be upheld through forgiveness. And this is something that will make and break everyone in here. 
So I want to just, I want to say this as a friend, as someone who cares, as someone who has invested his life in helping young adults, please, please, please consider who that person would be and make an application of God's word to go and forgive today. Let's pray. God, I want to I thank you for just the fact that you have forgiven us. And God, the fact that I have done so many things against you. And God, I have just racked up a massive debt that I never could have paid back. And God, every single one of us in here has done that. And so God, I, just, I pray that as we think about how other people have sinned against us, God, that we would never begin to, to look at it and anything other than in light of our own sin. And God, if there's someone in here who doesn't understand that, God, they're not a follower of you, I pray that you would put it on their heart right now, God, that, that they can have forgiveness and they can have freedom, God, not just again from their own sin, but from what other people have done to them. And I pray that they'd get to experience the peace and freedom of life that you promise us. And God, I pray that for those of us who are followers of you, God, I pray that we would look at the necessity of forgiveness, God, and we would be able to, to come to you and say, I know that this is so painful. And God, I am just begging you, God, help every single one of these men and women in here do that. God, because we need help. God, I can't do this myself. None of us can do this ourselves. And so, God, we pray that you would meet us where we're at. And God, don't let bitterness be something that's poisonous to us. God, help us to see just the fact that you want us to have healthy marriages and healthy parenting and healthy friends, healthy involvement in church, healthy careers, healthy friend groups. God, and just as we, as we reflect during a time of worship, God, I pray that we wouldn't sit here and worship with our mouths and yet hold bitterness towards someone in our hearts. So God, I, I just, I pray that as each of us are, are listening to the music, God, if there's someone that we need to forgive, God, help us to be people of application and to make a note in our phone or a reminder or just to, to do it and deal with it, God. And God, we just, we wanna celebrate you for what you've done because the fact that you have forgiven my debt, God, is just, it's something that I never wanna get over. And God, I pray that if there's any of us that are becoming hard-hearted towards this fact that we have been forgiven, God, I pray that you would just peel back the hardened layers of our heart tonight and help us see the magnitude of what we've been forgiven from so that we can go out and no matter how big or little uh, someone else has a, a debt towards us, God, that we would just be able to write it off and forgive it, God, not because we forget it, God, and just please not because we just want to gloss over it, God, but because we know we've been forgiven. And we pray all these things through your son's name, Jesus. Amen.